from the Tulsa world. This is the OSU Sports Extra Podcast, sponsored by Albert G's Barbecue. Here are your hosts, Dean Rule and Jawan Lee. Season 3, Episode 15 of the OSU Sports Extra Podcast. Jawan Lee joined by Dean Rule after a... A OSU victory, Dean, um, something that I did not predict going into Friday's game, but they went in there, they played played pretty well by their standards, and they pulled a victory out. Yeah, I think uh, I think on Thursday, I said, you know, that Friday night game always feels weird, but even I don't think I could have predicted a uh, an OSU win. I think I mentioned that there was some there was growing support on social media that I wish you could pull it off, but I uh, I was not buying into that on Thursday when we made our prediction. So we we might just need to stop predicting, Juwan, because we are clearly not good at this. So I so I told you before before the show started that my dad he was listening to the podcast and he told me he's not taking me to Vegas. He's not trusting me to bet on anything because I have not picked the OSU game correctly. So maybe the thing is, maybe I should just continue to pick them to lose and they'll win. Maybe they're doing the opposite <laughs> of of what we're saying. I think, why don't we just take some credit for OSU winning a little bit? Maybe we're <laughs> just motivated by, by the OSU Sports Extra podcast here in Tulsa. Yeah, we're bulletin board material. <laughs> perfect. That's perfect right there. We're bulletin board material. But not to waste too much more time, um, Oklahoma State, they, they pull out a 29-21 to 21 victory over the Kansas State Wildcats. And Will Howard, I mean, he had his worst passing day of the season for Kansas State. OSU had a pick six. Um, A lot of good stuff to jump into. But what stuck out to you during Friday's game, Dean? Yeah, I think I mentioned it on – the post-game podcast, but I'll go a little bit more in-depth with it. There were those three aspects that OSU, I think, needed to focus in on if they were going to have a chance, and they did fairly well in, in all three of those categories, and that was, you know, lock up on defense, figure out what's going wrong there, and, and you know, fix those leaks, and they did a, a fairly well job at, of doing that. Um, you need that consistent smart quarterback play. Alan Bowman did that. And then um, I think the offense, you just needed to get going. They needed to get going on offense. And they did that fairly well in the first half against Kansas State. But I think you could maybe critique a little bit in the second half. They, they got a little more conservative um, in the play calling. But Overall, they focused in on those areas and they pulled off an upset that, yeah, not many people were predicting. I mean, going into the game, most people had them as more than 10, 11 point underdogs. And I want to start defensively because we we took a lot of time last week to touch on what this OSU defense can do better. Well, Will Howard comes into the game, leaves it 15 to 34, 152 yards, a touchdown and an interception, 44% completion percentage, by far his worst of the worst of the season and his first multi-interception game of the year. Talk to me about this Oklahoma State defense and what you saw from them Friday. Right. I think it breaks down into two aspects. They were able to stop the run. You know, they're going up against DJ Giddens, who rushed for, you know, 207 yards and four touchdowns against UCF. 
And I think against OSU, he was held to like 65 yards on 16 carries. Um, so that right there, I think, is the first thing when you talk about what went right on OSU's defense, it was shutting down the run. The, the front seven did what they were supposed to do. And I think it's kind of becoming a quiet little trend what OSU's defense has been able to do against the run because they did something similar against Iowa State. They've now done it against Kansas State, and we'll get more into it on Thursday, but they're going to have arguably a top, I think statistically, Kansas is a top six. I think they're sixth in the nation in rushing offense, and we'll break that down a lot more on Thursday. But point being, this is kind of becoming a trend that they're able to shut down kind of dynamic, explosive, rushing attacks and putting all putting it all on the quarterback's got to make throws against Iowa State their quarterback was able to make those throws right they were able to find the busted coverages there were communication issues in OSU secondary and it led to big plays but against Kansas State they were able to fix all that and I think you can credit a lot of it to the bye week getting the extra time to prepare but Kansas State also had the extra time to prepare for OSU um so that's why I don't think I would I would rest the the main argue the main point of that should not be well they had a bye week because so did right. Kansas State so I wouldn't I wouldn't argue that's the main reason that happened um, but yeah I I think what it came down to is is OSU was able to fix a lot of those problems that were cropping up in the secondary and Cam Epps played played a hell of a game Juwan. Um, you know, when you've got two interceptions, you return one for a touchdown, made some good tackles, didn't get beat very often. It, it all kind of spits out into this competent, well-rounded defensive play that they haven't had up to this point because the first two games, we've talked about it a lot. In those first two games, they struggled to tackle. In the next two games, they struggled to cover. But now they've at least put enough duct tape on it to where it, it looks competent and it, and it looks like it's working. And I don't, I didn't see a major flaw um, in Friday night's game. So coming into the game, Kansas State, three of their first four games, they crossed the forty point mark. Friday, OSU holds him with twenty one points, and I had this in my notes because I was going through one of the articles that you read. I mean, that you wrote about the future. Um, and you touched on safety Cam Epps, who had a pick six during that game, and also linebacker Nicholas Martin, who had a team high of 17 tackles. Were those two players kind of the main two that stood out for you Friday, um, or did you see other contributors that kind of led to this this OSU shocking victory? Yeah, I, I left out a name because he doesn't show up on the stat sheet, right? I wanted to talk to him before I, before I wrote in depth on it. But Justin Kirkland at Noseguard, and we've I've written a lot about him up to this point, but not so mm-hmm. much about his, his on the field play because his story is just super interesting. And so we've done a couple stories on that at the Tulsa World. Um, but yeah, you know he he walked away with zero. His only stat was a participation stat on Saturday. But I think what he was able to do against a very strong Kansas State offensive line. Um, was important and and talking with him yesterday it's just about eating up those double teams and and when you've got a body like his that's you know 350 pounds 6'4 
and and you can absorb multiple offensive linemen, that's how you see Nicholas Martin get 17 tackles, right? You, th- there's not that extra offensive lineman coming downfield. It opens right. up the games. It allows somebody like Nicholas Martin to be in that space, operate, and and do what his job is. Um. So, yeah, so you mentioned Cameron Epps, Nicholas Martin, those guys – padded the stat or not padded the stat sheet you know it wasn't garbage time but yeah <laughs> their impact is shown on the stat sheet is what i'm trying to say justin kirkland's is not going to show up on the stat sheet you're not able to say oh justin kirkland had you know 10 tackles and and he broke up a pass or or all that you're not able to say that with a defensive lineman but what he was able to do and he's only a sophomore juan as we're continuing this trend of younger guys on the defense he's only a sophomore what he was able to do is equally as important as Nicholas Martin getting 17 tackles, which I think is like the first time I put it in the article. I know I did it, mid 2010s, 2015, 2016, somewhere in there. That's the most in a single game for an OSU uh, uh, defensive mm-hmm. player. So yeah, the younger guy showed up and, and I think it, Gives you, if you're an OSU fan, it probably gives you a little confidence for what this future holds, especially when you factor in, you know, Brian Nardo is a long-term hire, right? They're, it, they're expecting him to probably stick around for quite some time. Um, so when you got these younger guys kind of stepping in, this defensive scheme is only going to become easier and easier, and they're going to start recruiting to it more. Um, I, I think that's a sign of there should be some confidence in, in that OSU defense, even if it doesn't all come together this year. Uh, the future looks pretty good there. Last week, we talked a lot about this defense's ability to get off the field. K-State was 6-16 on third down, 1-4 on on fourth down. And you talked about some of the contributors and how they are getting more comfortable in this scheme. Do you feel like this defense is closer to what we saw Friday or closer to what we saw against Iowa State? I think I think you'd be hard-pressed to make the argument that they're going to trend backwards. Um, but I don't think it's a complete product yet. I think things that they did against Kansas State can carry over well. Um Part of that could be getting off the field because they really did struggle against Iowa State with that. And I asked Brian Nardo after the game, I said, you know, why, how, how did you make such a, a dr- drastic improvement in that that category? Um, because against Iowa State, I think if I think the number was not crazy. I think it was like seven of 16 Iowa State was on third downs. But what they were able to do was convert third and longs. Mm-hmm. you know, third downs of five or more yards. They were able to consistently do that to continue drives. And he said, you know, it, it always feels like they're just one or two third downs away from really strengthening that number. And so that's, you know, it, instead of, like you said, Juan, they were six of 16 against Kansas State. Well, had they just done this little thing or changed this up, you know, they feel they could have been four of 16. So that's why I think, you know, an aspect like that, you would think that would continue to trend in the right direction. But that's not to say there's still not going to be hiccups and mess ups and that numbers could get ugly game, you know, 
it's more, I think you got to look at it game by game and then try to kind of extrapolate, is this trending in the right direction? I think overall, it's going to get better. Like it's only going to continue to improve, but I wouldn't say this is completely fixed 100%. This defense is going to be what, you know, Jim Knowles had two years ago. I don't think it's quite at that point, but you're probably closer to Friday than you are to what they did against Iowa State. Flipping over to the other other side of the ball, Alan Bowman makes his second start, second full game, you know, for Oklahoma State, 19 of 35, 235 yards. Didn't throw a touchdown, but also didn't throw an interception either. Is the is the quarterback competition put to bed now? Can we safely say that Alan Bowman would be the starter moving forward? Juwan, it's over. It's over. <laughs> you no. Know, you know, Juwan, maybe maybe I'll just say this. Maybe I should go be a head coach because I said they gotta have this thing wrapped up weeks ago. Um, <laughs> I, I say that facetiously because I have no <laughs> desire to ever hold a job like that. But uh yeah, no, it, it it is over. Um, you know, Mike Gunny said something odd would have to happen for them to to switch this up, and that makes sense. This this decision made sense three weeks ago. You know, I think for the first two games, them wanting to rotate quarterbacks, and eh, you know, if, if that's what they feel they need to do, I I would say go for it. But after losing to South Alabama, yeah, you could not continue this on i think they knew that that's why alan bowman has started and finished the past two games and as you're reading off those stats i think it's interesting when you break down the alan bowman stats because you can i think come to different conclusions when you look at them Mm -hmm. you look at the yards i think it's up i think in those against iowa state and kansas state he's thrown for 513 yards i would consider that a a pretty good number right I, Mm -hmm. i i would I don't think you would argue 513 yards in two games is bad. Um, it might not be elite, but it's not bad. Um, although I think he's only completing like 53% of his passes on the year. That's not ideal. That is not a number you'd probably want to, you know, rest your argument on. Right. I think what is most important when you talk about the Kansas state game is not that he didn't throw any touchdowns. I think the more important number is he did not throw any interceptions. Exactly. Right. And I know it's not the flashiest number. um, When you talk about games, but the fact that OSU played turnover free football and can, and will Howard threw three interceptions and they turned it over on downs three times. Most of that, at the end of the game when, you know, they were trying, they were not going to punt no matter what the, it could have been third and 33. They were still going to try to convert that. Um, but yeah, the, the fact that Alan Bowman played turnover free football is what I think you want to, is the main takeaway here. Cause that's what he struggled with a little bit. Um, you know, quarterback interceptions are interesting. Because you see the stat and you say, well, the quarterback made a bad throw. Well, it could be, you know, other things factor in. It could be the receiver ran a wrong route. Um, It could very well be that he just made a bad throw. 
he didn't make a right read. But point being that there were zero is is what's super important moving forward because if OSU can continue to eliminate those turnovers, which that's that's an area that's killed them in years past, if they can continue to keep that low, that's I think Alan Bowman could very well have a successful season, a shortened season, you know, if he, <laughs> if he plays um, from here on out, there'd be nine complete games. But yeah, I think, I think this was the right answer all along. They reached it. Um, as we talked about in weeks past, Juwan, it was always going to come down to just what does OSU prioritize, the present or the future. Alan Bowman's experience is the reason he won out, and it's it's worked out well for them. So far, so just so just looking at their possessions, obviously, I mean they they started the game with an open and drive touchdown, um, and then from there, I mean you had the pick six, which counted towards their next touchdown, five field goals, pretty much on on the day is where they got the rest of their stats from. Ali Gordon back to back games with a with a hundred plus yards rushing. What did you take away from this offense in totality? Even though they were not able to reach the end zone after their opening possession, they still were able to move the ball and get in field goal range. So just kind of walk me through your impressions of this offense as a whole moving forward. Yeah, that's concern number one. You only, if you're OSU, the fact that you only walked away with one offensive touchdown. And now there were some issues in the red zone. And I think uh, Mike Gundy eloquently put it as Kansas State kicked their ass, I think was the quote to one. <laughs> um, in the red zone, at least. So you need to figure out that area, right? You need to capitalize. You can't rely on one offensive touchdown and five field goals and a defensive score to win you games. Right. You know, make sure mm-hmm. you need at least get turned. Some of those field goals need to be turned into touchdowns. They need to, especially against Kansas and once again, we'll get more into that on Thursday, Juwan, but that's not going to work against Kansas at all. So that's priority number one, I think, this week. Figure out what's going on there. Get that cleaned up. Because I think, Juwan, you can make the argument, OSU's offensive line, and I don't, they played, I think, you can just call it a good game. I think Alan mm. Bowman, um, the advanced stats, and and I'm always a little skeptical of using the advanced stats because I don't know how close, right? You know, something like pro football focus is actually watching this game. Mm-hmm. But I think they said Alan Bowman sustained pressure on only 11 percent of his dropbacks okay. against a really good Kansas State defensive line. Um, so take that number how you will. I think some of it's subjective. I don't know how accurate that number is, but. Even without that number, just watching that game, that offensive line did its job. Because like you said, it broke out Ollie Gordon, who tied his career high in yards. Um, it gave Alan Bowman time to make those deep throws. You know, they they had two passes of 45 yards. Um, and, and so I think that's, if you're going to give, for if we're giving a gold star out, Juwan, for performances on, <laughs> on Friday, I think you give the offensive line one because they did their job. They did it well. Um, now can they carry it over against Kansas is going to be the question. I think the biggest concern, like we mentioned, um, got to clean up what's going on in the red zone. That's not going to win you a lot of games if you continue to do that. And then is the combination of 
Oh, actually, the other thing before we before we get to the other big question, Brennan Presley's usage finally took a, a turn in the right direction. I think they got him involved in yes. all kinds of things. Um, the the playbook seemed to really open up, and I, I mean, you speculated a little bit on it last week. Has it been kind of bland because they're saving as much stuff as they can for the back half of the year? I don't know if we. It for sure was in the first half. They showed some stuff. Casey Dunn said, hey, well, we still have a lot of stuff we want to use. So I think opening up that playbook opened up Brendan Presley. And that's another thing that I think if you're an OSU fan, that's a takeaway that gives you a little bit of excitement because Brendan Presley is probably the most versatile and dynamic player they have in that wide receiver room. I mean, even the mm-hmm. tight end, Josiah Johnson caught four passes. That's That, that in and of <laughs> itself shows just... just kind of how much they changed up the play calling. And I think you can say, well, in the second half, it wasn't quite there. They got a little more conservative, and I think it let Kansas State get back into the game. So that's something you probably see cleaned up, something that's going to be worked on. How do you make that a bit more consistent throughout it, throughout the game? Um, and then the, the, the other big concern is, is the combination of Rashad Owens and Jaden Bray enough mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to replace Dazon Stribling and what he did uh, now that he's going to be out for the year. Rashad Owens stepped up. You know, he had five catches for 75 yards. Um, He did that against Kansas State. But what's that going to look like now that opponents know it's going he's going to be coming? What's that going to look like? So that's the other thing I, I think is going to be a focus for them heading into the Kansas game. We have all these kind of moving parts that's working themselves into a cohesive unit. What you were saying kind of leads me into my next thing. I want to read off a quote from Alan Bowman where he said about the red zone struggles and just the offense getting a little bit more better in in the coming weeks. He said, obviously, we're really close. There's a couple of incompletions we like to have back and score some touchdowns instead of field goals. But when that thing clicks, we're going to be dangerous. How much more comfortable, in your opinion, if any, do you does Alan Bowman look now that he's the full-time starter? And do you see more cohesion between him, the running back, the offensive line, and now this new look receiving core? Yeah, it it's just a byproduct of picking one quarterback, right? When the when the guy knows it's his offense, it's up to him to lead it. I think you just get a much more cohesive product. And now that they've gotten two games with him. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to continue to trend in the right direction. Um, you know, Casey Dunn said after the game, it, it, it's a little bit, Alan Bowman didn't need to settle into the offense. Alan Bowman just needed to settle into the program. Um, mm-hmm. And now that he's been able to do that, I think it's really starting to click. I don't think OSU is built off a high-flying, crazy offense this year. You know, this is not Mason Rudolph and Marcel Aitman. It's not that kind of a throw the deep ball, go crazy, throw for 500 yards a game. I think it's more just being balanced. And and Mike Gundy said it a lot in the past couple weeks. Most teams outside of a Georgia or an Alabama who's just built on four stars, five stars, and anybody, anybody's offense needs to be balanced. You need to be able to pass it well, and you need to be able to rush it well. And when you do that, 
it opens up the playbook. Um, and so I think that's what OSU is finally starting to get. They're starting to get that balanced attack. And I think it's really translating well offensively in, in, in just moving the ball and being consistent throughout four quarters. They're, they're getting better at it. I don't think they've quite shown that they're consistent in all four quarters. They, or they've not shown a game where I, I would say consistently was throughout all it was consistent throughout all four quarters, but it's getting there. Do you feel like a win like this kind of settles the locker room a, a little bit? And you're you're closer to to that situation than than I am, but I would love to know if if any urgency was there, you know, after you lose to a South Alabama, then you lose to a Iowa State, and you go into the bye week with what seems like a dark cloud kind of hanging over the football team with so many questions. Do you feel like something when you beat a Kansas team, I mean a K-State team, that it settles everyone, makes everybody a little bit more comfortable, takes a little bit of that monkey off their back moving forward? Oh, for sure. Because, I mean, look at the inverse of it, Juwan. They could be two and three, losers of their last three, going up against – you could maybe make the argument – I'd listen to the argument – and I actually, I probably would make the argument Kansas is better than Kansas State this year. Mm. I think I would make that argument. I don't know now. Now I'm second guessing what I'm, I just said. But point being, <laughs> they're at least even. They're at least even. Well, Kansas right? is 23 right now. So exactly. Yeah, there you go. All right. I'm, I'll make it. I'll make the argument. KU is better than K State at the current moment. So now you're going three and two. You just pulled off a pretty important upset. You've got that momentum. Everything seems to start to be getting put in place, and you, you've got a chance to get another quality win um, this week. The inverse of that would be your two and three losers of your last three. Whatever you have going on is not working, and you're about to hit the halfway point of the season, and you don't even know if you can win another game. Like that would be, I think the the sentiment would be, when's the next win even going to come? But they've now righted the ship a little bit. I think I think after the game, I said the train is back on the tracks. Now <laughs> you just got to start building the momentum. You got to start getting the speed to it. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we probably won't know the truth until after the season. But you could possibly make the case this was a season-saving win. Um, on Friday, I love that. Now that's a great way. That's a great way to end things. You have any final comments before we get out of here, Dean? I don't think so, Juwan. We're gonna have quite the quite the chat on Thursday. I know that. Uh, I got a lot of good good information to bring to you. Um, yeah, I don't think so. We just maybe need to stop picking games. That's my final. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, we appreciate everyone continuing to, to tune in to, to our podcast and listen to me and Dean's thoughts on OSU. Hopefully they can go into to this week and get a get another quality win. But we'll be back again Thursday to break all that information down. Um, don't forget podcasting to download our podcast is free. You can get it wherever you listen to podcasts at Apple, Spotify, Google. And we appreciate you guys for joining us on another week of the OSU Sports Extra podcast. Thanks.